0: Testing 1, 2, 3. Testing one two three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Going Down to Kweku Town. A few days ago, I released an episode titled, Quaku the Deceiver, in which I set forth the evidence that I believe shows that Kweku L, rising star among young Mormon apologists, attempted to deceive his audience in a recent video of his titled, Proving the Book of Abraham is true. In the three days since I released that podcast, literally hundreds of comments have flowed in primarily on Bill Reel's Facebook page, both for and against Kwaku, as well as for and against yours truly. It seems that I have kicked a veritable hornet's nest in releasing that episode. Well, that's fine by me, because like Robert Duvall, I love the smell of napalm. In the morning. What I want to do in this episode is respond to a number of the criticisms that I have received regarding that episode, as well as clarifying the intent of my original episode and closing with a call to Kwaku to cease and desist, being deceptive in his arguments for the authenticity of the Book of Abraham. The first criticism I received was that I was pronouncing Kwaku's name improperly. If you go back and listen to that episode, you will hear that throughout I pronounced his name as Kwaku instead of Kweku. Since the time I recorded that episode, I have been advised by a number of individuals that the correct pronunciation is Kwaku and not Kwaku. I did not know this at the time that I recorded the podcast, And so I want to publicly apologize for mispronouncing Kweku's name. It was not intentional, no harm intended, but I think an apology is in order anyway. And I will do my level-headed best to pronounce his name correctly, Kweku, from this time forward. The second criticism has to do with my use of the term deceiver in the title of that podcast, Kweku, the Deceiver. That title has been misapprehended by some as an absolute declaration on my part that the evidence shows conclusively that Quaku was deceiving his audience when he declared that there were no sources available to Joseph Smith that could account for the presence of two unique stories in the book of Abraham, those stories being with the attempted sacrifice of Abraham, as well as Abraham's knowledge of astronomy. After I heard this allegation, I went back and listened to the podcast carefully because I was pretty sure that I had not come out and point-blank said that Quaku was a deceiver. Instead, I had gone over the evidence and I had suggested it as my opinion that the evidence made it look like Quaku probably was trying to deceive his audience. Now it is always possible that Quaku was simply ignorant of the sources, that he was reading off a script created by some other Mormon apologist and had not done his own research to find out that that script was in material aspects incorrect and indeed Misleading, So it's possible that he was simply ignorant of the sources. So that is one possibility. The other possibility is that he was, in fact, knowledgeable about his sources. You see, I was actually giving him the benefit of the doubt that he had done his own research, that he knew the sources, and that Quaku was making the claim that he could prove the book of Abraham was true based upon his own research and his own knowledge of the sources. I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. I want to replay that part of the episode in which I set forth My allegation that Kwaku is indeed deceiving his audience, and you will notice that I do it not as an absolute conclusion that he is a deceiver, but rather that this is what the evidence appears to show. Play the tape. So, if Kwaku used this book in order to get his source documents, and it seems quite likely to me that this is what he probably did because this is the preeminent collection of documents related to stories and traditions about the early life of Abraham for apologists, it is hard for me to believe that he zeroed in on the Targum Jonathan, the Chronicles of Jeremiel, and the Book of Jubilees, and somehow managed to miss the Book of Jasher, and the History of Josephus, which are found in close proximity and interspersed among the documents that Quaku did choose to use. To put a fine point on it, it looks like Quaku is winnowing his sources, and being very careful to select only those documents that talk about these stories from Abraham's life, that were translated into English after Joseph Smith died, and to make a point of avoiding those documents contained in the same book in close proximity, which were translated into English and which were available to Joseph Smith. The reason for this seems obvious. Quaku knows that if he includes citations to the book of Jasher and the history of Josephus, that will undercut the main thrust of his argument, which is how could Joseph Smith have known? Well, if he includes the Book of Jasher and Josephus, then the answer is obvious. That's how Joseph Smith could have known. It appears that Quacku, at a very young and tender age, has already sold his soul for apologetics and is willing to go a bridge too far and actually intentionally deceive his audience to make a point that a full examination of the relevant documents would not support. So I think you can see from that excerpt from the podcast that I was not out and out claiming that the evidence show conclusively that Kweku was a deceiver, but rather the evidence seemed definitely to point in that direction, and the title Kweku the Deceiver is more an allegation than a conclusion. But regardless of whether Kweku was doing this intentionally and knowingly, or unintentionally and unknowingly, the fact remains that his statements were incorrect, false, and misleading. He may not have been intentionally deceiving his audience, but he was certainly unintentionally deceiving his audience. It's one or the other. And I will let Quaker respond to the evidence I present here and to my allegations so that he can speak for himself and let us know whether he was ignorantly misleading his audience or intentionally misleading his audience. The third issue raised was the claim that I was woefully ignorant of my sources, those sources being the book of Jasher as well as the history of Josephus. We will dig into those claims here in a second. The first thing I want to say though, at the outset, is that the whole point of that podcast was not to do an in-depth dive into the sources of Jasher and Josephus. Rather, it was to take the unusual circumstance of my having actually identified an apologist trick in December of 2018 and then to have Kwaku, seven months later, In his video, Proving the Book of Abraham is True, used the exact same deceptive trick that I had identified seven months before. So briefly, the trick is this. There are two primary stories and legends about Abraham that do not appear in the Bible, but that do appear in the Book of Abraham. These stories have to do with, number one, that there was an attempted sacrifice of Abraham by throwing him into a furnace in Babylon because he refused to worship their idols, and number two, that Abraham brought the knowledge of astronomy to Egypt. Both of those stories are not found in the Bible, but they are found in the book of Abraham. Both of those stories appear in a number of documents. Some of those documents were available to Joseph Smith, and some of those documents were not available to Joseph Smith. The apologist trick that I identified was to cite only those documents that mention these stories that were not available to Joseph Smith, to scrupulously avoid mentioning those documents that were available to Joseph Smith, and then to say to the audience, how could Joseph Smith have known. This is exactly what Quaku did in his video. And the point at which I faulted him was where he went beyond simply quoting those sources that were not available to Joseph Smith and totally ignoring the sources that were available to Joseph Smith, but where he went beyond that and said there were no sources available to Joseph Smith that contained these stories. That was flat out incorrect. Let me play the tape once again from Quaku in his video proving the book of Abraham true in which he makes this claim. Play the tape. These are not found in the Bible. These are only found in other ancient works Joseph Smith did not know about and in the book of Abraham. So you can see there that Quaku is making the straight-up claim that Joseph Smith did not have access to any documents that contained these stories. The facts of the matter are that that is absolutely incorrect. And if Quaku knew that Joseph Smith did have access to documents with those stories in them, then that statement was an intentional deception on his part. On the other hand, if Quaku did not know and was simply oblivious to the fact that there were sources that Joseph Smith had available to him that did mention these stories, then he was not intentionally deceiving his audience. He was unintentionally deceiving his audience. The result is the same. It is only the intention that differs. Now let's deal with those two stories in order. First off, let's go to the story about Abraham bringing the knowledge of astronomy to Egypt. I mentioned the fact that this story is contained in the history of Josephus and I cited to that source in the last podcast. It says point blank that Abraham brought the knowledge of astronomy into Egypt. I also stated that Josephus was available to Joseph Smith, and I cited a couple of historical accounts that show that this was the case, including the fact from the church history that on the afternoon of June 27, 1844, mere hours if not minutes before Joseph Smith was murdered along with his brother Hiram, he asked for excerpts of Josephus to be read to him in Carthage jail. But as it turns out, there is another reference to Josephus in church history that shows that Oliver Cowdery had a copy of Josephus, and he quotes from it, or at least references Josephus, in direct connection to trying to translate a drawing that was contained on the Egyptian scrolls from which Joseph Smith claimed to have translated the Book of Abraham. This was actually brought to my attention by Spencer Wright, who made the following comment on Bill Reel's Facebook page. There's an even earlier connection to Josephus. Oliver Cowdery mentions Josephus in 1835, specifically in connection to the scroll of Joseph, i.e. the biblical Joseph's scroll in Joseph Smith's possession. Let me just give you a little background here in case you don't know. Joseph Smith translated the book of Abraham from the papyri scrolls that he purchased along with the mummies in Kirtland, Ohio in 1835. In addition to the book of Abraham, Joseph Smith also claimed that the scrolls contained an additional book, that being the book of Joseph although Joseph Smith identified an additional book the book of Joseph as being on those scrolls he never got around apparently so far as we know to actually translating the book of Joseph on the scroll that Joseph Smith identified as containing the book of Joseph or the scroll of Joseph there is a drawing of a snake with legs it appears to be walking or at least standing upright on legs it's an unusual drawing but it seems that Joseph Smith or at least Oliver Cowdery saw a direct connection between this drawing and the story of the Garden of Eden we know that God in that story cursed the serpent so that he would crawl on his belly leading to the question well if he only crawled on his belly after he was cursed did he not crawl on his belly before he was cursed by God and if he did not crawl on his belly before he was cursed by God why didn't he was he walking around on legs or something This is the connection that Oliver Cowdery made, and quite likely that Joseph Smith as well made. This is the quote from Oliver Cowdery. Quote, The serpent represented as walking, or formed in a manner to be able to walk, standing in front of and near a female figure. Enoch's pillar, as mentioned by, drumroll please, Josephus, is upon the same roll. So, another drawing which they identified as being Enoch's Pillar, was also on the same roll. And Oliver Cowdery equates this with the mention of Enoch's Pillar in Josephus. So not only was Josephus read at Joseph Smith's request on the afternoon of his martyrdom, it was in the possession of at least Oliver Cowdery and probably Joseph Smith. Come on, I mean, if Oliver Cowdery knows about it, Joseph Smith knows about it too. Oliver Cowdery is simply the person who's writing it down. And he identifies in 1835 on a papyri scroll a figure that he equates with Enoch's pillar, as mentioned by Josephus. So we know that Josephus is in the hands of Oliver Cowdery. It's probably in the hands of Joseph Smith. Oliver Cowdery is familiar enough with the contents of Josephus to know about the story of Enoch's pillar contained in it. The same book of Josephus talks about Abraham bringing a knowledge of astronomy into Egypt, and lo and behold, in the book of Abraham translation, From the same collection of scrolls, Joseph Smith includes the story of Abraham bringing a knowledge of astronomy into Egypt. This would seem then to be a clear-cut case of this story not only being available to Joseph Smith, but actually in his possession or in the possession of Oliver Cowdery. The contents were familiar to him or them, and this knowledge was had by him or them prior to or at the time the translation process for the Book of Abraham commenced in 1835. It is therefore incorrect for Quaku to claim that Joseph Smith did not have access to any documents that mention the story of Abraham bringing the knowledge of astronomy into Egypt, because he demonstrably did. Is it possible that Quaku was completely oblivious and unaware of this? Historical information? Yes, it's possible. But now it is up to Quaku to decide whether he is going to correct his video to include this information. If he does correct his video and include the information that Joseph Smith did have knowledge of the story, that Abraham brought astronomy into Egypt from the book of Josephus and that he had it prior to the time of creating the book of Abraham, then I will withdraw my allegation that Quaku is intentionally trying to deceive his audience. Because, obviously, if Quaku, after having been informed of this historical information, fails to correct the record for his audience and tell them the truth about the situation, then it will seem conclusive to me that Kwaku is, in fact, intentionally trying to deceive his audience instead of simply unintentionally doing so. So that takes care of Josephus and the story about astronomy. Let's go to the next story. And here we're going to have to dive a little bit deeper because it does appear that I was in error in something that I had said regarding the Book of Jasher and its availability to Joseph Smith. Again, at the time I released that audio, this was not my intent to go into depth into the book of Jasher and its transmission and its publication dates and when it was first published into English. Instead, I was actually going off of footnote 46 in the church essay on the book of Abraham, which, even though buried in the last footnote, did state unequivocally that the book of Jasher was available to Joseph Smith and that he was aware of its contents. Let me read that quote to you again. Here it is, quoting from footnote 46 of the church essay. Quote, Some of these extra-biblical elements were available to Joseph Smith through the books of Jasher and Josephus. See, the church essay even says the book of Jasher and that that was available to Joseph Smith. It goes on to say Joseph Smith was aware of these books, but it is unknown whether he utilized them. So the church essay says not only, that the book of Jasher was available to Joseph Smith, but that he was also aware of these books. So, given the fact that the intent of the podcast was not to do a deep dive into the transmission of the book of Jasher, and also due to the fact that I was happy to take the word of the church in footnote 46, that the book of Jasher was available to Joseph Smith and that he was aware of its contents, I felt that pretty well established the case. But it has since been brought to my attention that the first time that the book of Jasher was published in English, was in 1840 in New York. This is significant, and I want to take a couple of minutes to deal with this issue. The Book of Jasher contains the story about Abraham being thrown into the fire in Babylon by the order of Nimrod, the king of Babylon, for refusing to worship the pagan idols there, and that Abraham was miraculously saved from the fire. I had originally thought that the book of Jasher had been published prior to 1840 in English, but it appears that I was mistaken about that. The reason for that, upon further investigation, is that there are multiple books of Jasher floating around out there with different publication dates. And as I was researching this issue in the past couple of days, it seems that even people who profess to be knowledgeable on the subject confuse the different accounts with their publication dates. So let me simplify this for you. This is what my research shows. There are two primary books of Jasher out there. They are not identical. One of them contains the story about Abraham being thrown into the fire, the other one does not. The book of Jasher that does not contain the story was first published in English in 1750 or 1751, depending upon the source you're looking at, and that was in England. That book of Jasher was then republished in 1829, also in England. But that is not, repeat not, the same book of Jasher that contains that story about Abraham being thrown into the fire. That book of Jasher was first published in English in 1840 in New York. Now the reason that date is important is because Joseph Smith commenced translating the book of Abraham in 1835 and he concluded translating the book of Abraham, or at least what we have of it, in 1842. The reason we know that is because of certain documents that were not published, but ultimately the book of Abraham itself was published in the spring, of 1842 in the church newspaper in Nauvoo. So we know for sure that the Book of Abraham as we have it today was completed at least as early as when it was first published in the spring of 1842. It is generally understood by the scholars familiar with the Book of Abraham translation that the translation commenced in 1835 and would have covered all of chapter 1 of Book of Abraham and then some more. It is chapter 1 that contains a story about Abraham being attempted to be sacrificed, not by being thrown into the fire, but by being tied on an altar and with a knife. If that story was completed in 1835, or in other words, before 1840, then the book of Jasher could not have been a source that Joseph Smith used, even though it's not exactly the same story. I mean, one is throwing Abraham into a fire, the other one is having him sacrificed on an altar with a knife. But the general outline of the story the book of jasher could not have been the source for joseph smith's story of the attempted sacrifice of abraham when he was a young man for refusing to worship idols i will say parenthetically though that this issue is complicated by the fact that the book of abraham as we have it was not actually published until two years after the book of jasher was published in 1840. once again book of jasher published in english in 1840 Book of Abraham published in English in 1842. So there is a possibility that the book of Jasher may have influenced Joseph Smith's account of the book of Abraham prior to its being published even though the translation had already commenced. That is a possibility which I think is somewhat remote and it is rendered completely moot by the fact that there are multiple additional sources of the same story that conclusively were available to Joseph Smith prior to 1835. But for purposes of this podcast, I am going to focus on only one. And the reason I'm going to focus on this one is because not only can we prove that it was available in English at the time Joseph Smith commenced his translation of the Book of Abraham in 1835, we know for a fact that Joseph Smith had it in his possession and that he consulted it and read it thoroughly prior 1835. The book to which I refer is Adam Clark's Bible Commentary. Now the first thing we have to say about Adam Clark's Bible Commentary is that due to recent scholarship coming out of BYU no less, we know that Joseph Smith borrowed heavily from Adam Clark's Bible Commentary in his creation of the Joseph Smith translation and here I want to quote from an article published at the BYU Brigham Young University Journal of Undergraduate Research webpage under the title a recently recovered source rethinking Joseph Smith's Bible translation this is from Haley Wilson and Thomas Wayment from the Department of Ancient Scripture at BYU even though this page is simply a synopsis I don't want to read the entire page let me just read this passage Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible. Now, first off, let's back up for a second. Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible occurred primarily in the first half of the 1830s. You may recall that after the church was organized in April of 1830, one of the first commandments that Joseph Smith received by revelation was to commence a translation of the Bible by inspiration. And Joseph Smith commenced that in the latter part of 1830 and continued it for the next several years. Here's what it says again from this article. On the BYU website, Joseph Smith's translation of the Bible has attracted significant attention in recent decades, drawing the interest of a wide variety of academics and those who affirm its nearly canonical status in the LDS scriptural canon. More recently, in conducting new research into the origins of Smith's Bible translation, we uncovered evidence that Smith and his associates used a readily available Bible commentary while compiling a new Bible translation, or more properly, a revision of the King James Bible. So what they're saying here is that Joseph Smith and his associates used the Adam Clark Bible commentary in creating the Joseph Smith translation. The article goes on, The commentary, Adam Clark's famous Holy Bible, containing the Old and New Testaments, that's the official title of the Adam Clark Bible commentary, The Holy Bible, containing the Old and New Testaments, was a mainstay for Methodist theologians and biblical scholars alike, and was one of the most widely available commentaries in the mid-1820s and 1830s in America. Direct borrowing from this source has not previously been connected to Smith's translation efforts. Now, I'm going to skip the rest of that lengthy paragraph and go to the next paragraph Our research, this is Haley Wilson who is an undergraduate research student and Thomas Wayman who is a professor of ancient scripture at Brigham Young University. Our research has revealed that the number of direct parallels between Smith's translation and Adam Clark's biblical commentary are simply too numerous and explicit to posit happenstance or coincidental overlap. Which is a scholarly way of saying that Joseph Smith cribbed copiously from the Adam Clark Bible Commentary. He did this in the early 1830s when he was creating his Joseph Smith Translation and therefore we know that not only did he have Adam Clark's Bible Commentary with him, not only was it available to him, but that he was intimately familiar with its contents prior to 1835. Okay, having established that much, why am I going into all this detail? Well, the reason I'm going into so much detail is because the story about Abraham being thrown into a fire in Babylon for his refusal to worship the idols is contained in the Adam Clark Bible Commentary. If we go to Adam Clark's Bible Commentary on the book of Daniel, Chapter 3 and verse 6. The story that he is commenting on there has to do with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were thrown into the fiery furnace for refusing to worship the pagan idols. And as we have noted before, the story about Abraham being thrown into a furnace in Babylon for refusing to worship pagan idols seems directly connected, if not derivative, from this story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego contained in chapter 3 of the book of Daniel. In the book of Daniel, chapter 3, verse 6. It contains the command of the Babylonian king that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. In commenting on this passage, here is what Adam Clark has to say. Quote, this was an ancient mode of punishment among the Chaldeans. If we may credit, now listen closely, if we may credit the tradition that Abram was cast into such a fire by this idolatrous people because he would not worship their idols. Period. End of quote. Let me repeat that once again. This was an ancient mode of punishment among the Chaldeans. If we may credit the tradition that Abram was cast into such a fire by this idolatrous people because he would not worship their idols. So what we know conclusively is that the story or the legend or the tradition about Abraham being thrown into the fire in the Chaldees or in other words in Babylon because he refused to worship their idols is contained in a book that Joseph Smith had in his possession and that he was well acquainted with prior to commencing his translation of the Book of Abraham in 1835. So although Joseph Smith may not have had the Book of Jasher available to him in English when he commenced the translation of the Book of Abraham in 1835, and therefore it is likely ruled out as a potential source for this story. It is nevertheless clear that the same story was mentioned in Adam Clark's Bible Commentary, Joseph Smith had access to it, Joseph Smith read it, Joseph Smith used it for the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, and therefore that is a source that was available to Joseph Smith and which definitely could have been the source for the inclusion of this story in abraham chapter one so in conclusion after having corrected the record what do we know we know number one that the story of abraham bringing the knowledge of astronomy into egypt was in a source available to joseph smith that story is contained in josephus which was not only available to joseph smith but the contents of josephus were almost certainly known to joseph smith inasmuch as we have an 1835 account by oliver cowdery the assistant president of the church at the time, stating that a drawing on the Egyptian scrolls was a representation of the pillar of Enoch as recounted in Josephus. So we know that the story about Abraham bringing that knowledge of astronomy into Egypt was not contained only in sources that were not available to Joseph Smith, as Quaku said in his video. Number two, we know that the story of Abraham being cast into a furnace in Babylon for refusing to worship the pagan idols was in a source that was available to Joseph Smith. It was in Adam Clark's Bible Commentary and we know that that source was not only available to Joseph Smith in theory but that he actually had possession of or access to a copy of Adam Clark's Bible Commentary and that he read it and used it freely in creating his Joseph Smith translation of the Bible prior to 1835 when the Book of Abraham translation commenced. So again, we know that this story about Abraham being thrown into the fire was not only in sources that were unavailable to Joseph Smith, as Quaku says in his video. As I say, we know both of these things with certainty. But here's the one thing we don't know. What we don't know is what Quaku is going to do now that he is in possession of these facts. Prior to this, he could say, well, it was done in ignorance. I wasn't aware that these stories actually were in sources that were available to Joseph Smith and that, in fact, historical documents show he had in his possession and was acquainted with the contents of. He could have said that prior to this. But now the question is, what will Kwaku do now? And here is where we will learn whether Quaku was intentionally deceiving his audience or unintentionally deceiving his audience. If he was unintentionally deceiving his audience when he made his video titled Proving the Book of Abraham True, he will now publicly correct the record as I have done in this podcast where I have made mistakes. He will publicly correct the record and he will tell his audience that he was mistaken and that actually both of these stories were in sources that were available to Joseph Smith. On the other hand, If he was intentionally trying to deceive his audience, we will know that by the fact that he will not publicly correct the record. Instead, he will try and carp at other bits and pieces about what I have said without actually addressing the issue of his misrepresentation, his material misrepresentation, to his audience and here I want to read a comment once again by Spencer Wright this comment is from Bill Reel's Facebook page and I quote this because I think Spencer Wright does such a good job of encapsulating the issue that now confronts Quaku. First Spencer Wright says that it is certainly possible that Quaku was not intentionally trying to deceive his audience and now I will proceed to quote him quote there was plenty of room for Quaco to be more or less clueless about what he's arguing Deceiver is probably a stretch. On the other hand, after all the back and forth, there's a lot less room for him being clueless on any subsequent response he makes. Here's the real issue. People can bicker over the availability of Jasher, and it's important to be correct with the details, but that's a proxy skirmish. The question doesn't rest on whether Joseph had access to Jasher any more than it rests on whether a particular story element is in the Bible. It's about whether Joseph had access to anything discussing the same Abrahamic traditions Mormon apologists use to support the authenticity of the book of Abraham. If they think a fire story is close enough to being sacrificed by a priest of Pharaoh in Ur, if you squint hard enough, then if Abraham and the fire stories were available through other sources, bickering over Jasher is a straw man to the real issue." If Kwaku wants to demonstrate he's serious about all this, he'll address the larger issue, not get bogged down in the proxy skirmish of Jasher. If he doesn't want to demonstrate he's serious, he'll play slappy hands about Jasher and act like he won. So that's the end of the quote from Spencer Wright on Bill Reel's Facebook page, and I have to say I agree with it in all respects. The ball is now squarely in Kwaku's court. Will he address the issue head-on and make the necessary public corrections so as not to mislead his audience, or will he play games in order to avoid actually dealing with the issue at hand? In short, his response to this episode and the facts contained herein will prove whether he is Kwaku, the deceiver, or merely Kwaku, the deceived. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.